Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. Jonathan Reisman, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Jonathan Reisman is CEO and Chief Design Officer at Modwell an online platform where residential consumers and their agents can buy and sell homes in a more sophisticated manner, leveraging design and technology as a way to provide confidence to the statistically outdated housing stock. Uh, a New York native, Jonathan graduated with a professional degree in architecture from Syracuse University School of Architecture with a minor in real estate and became a real estate, a licensed real estate sales agent uh, while in his sophomore year, selling his first home using his keen architecture design skills while still a junior at Syracuse University. Due to his deep interest in vertical integration, Jonathan was uh, hand-selected to help found and participate in the development of the curriculum for a joint exper experiential um, program integrating the Whitman School of Business, which is the business school at Syracuse, and the Syracuse School of Architecture. So bringing those two schools together, uh, cross-pollinating real estate and architecture, teaching them the fundamentals of both. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Jonathan is an architect and uh, an entrepreneur, and I am a architect and an entrepreneur. And so I'm really excited about this conversation. I'm very interested in the origin story of Modwell and how that started and 
and where it's where it's going, what your plans are for the future. Uh, but before we dive into that, I want to know more about you, Jonathan. I want to know more about your origin story as an architect. When did you discover your passion for architecture and who or what inspired you to become an architect? Oof, good question. Where do we begin? Um, well, to begin the story, I think it almost has to roll back all the way to being 10 years old. I don't necess- necessarily know who, but I do know when. I was about... 10 years old and I expressed interest in the built environment. And so as my parents would tell me, I would go to restaurants and they would say, what do you want for dinner? And I'd say, don't you like that coffered ceiling? Right. And they'd, <laughs> say, and they'd say, that's weird. Why do you keep talking about the ceilings? And so that then led into a Christmas gift that I got for, as a, a drafting table. So I grew up with the drafting table in my bedroom. And then I also got like one of those punch home design softwares. Um, when I was like 11. And so I started playing around with houses in SketchUp and on those programs. Um, And then that's kind of where they almost molded me, just pushed that passion along, right? They would say they grounded me with reason, but they didn't. They would ground me, take my TV away and say, go build a model in the basement. And so that's, that's the origin of like my passion. And then what happened was you know, as you know, with architecture school, it's a it's a it's a process. So I was around 13 or 14 now, and I had built a portfolio of these models in my basement. And uh, my dad was guest lecturing at Whitman because he was uh, originally in the media space, and so he brought me up to Syracuse, and I presented my portfolio to uh, Victoria at the time, uh, and they said this is all really great, but you know, uh, if you want to come to a school like this, then you should go to an art school. And so then I enrolled in an art school on Long Island for uh, three years. There, there's a few other uh, people who I know who went to architecture school with me and also the art school at Syracuse that went through that program. And so that's kind of like the origin, taking it all the way back to when I was 10 and then pushing that through to college. How, how old were you when you when you went to Syracuse with your portfolio? Um, pre-high school, so eighth grade. Yeah, so yeah was, that's great. So, so you it sounds like you from 10, you always knew that this is what you wanted to do as architecture and, 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 uh, and you had this path to, to take it, to be able to become an architect. I was lucky to be guided along the way. I knew that I loved, um, houses specifically, uh, and I knew that I was creative. And so those two things kind of led me to making things, you know, um, it could have gone a probably a different way where I didn't go to art school and it wasn't architecture, but it would have always been residential sector for me, I think. Yeah. Do you, so going back to being in the restaurant and looking at the coffered ceilings, do you, do you know what inspired you to be interested in the built environment? Was there something um, that you experienced or someone that you knew? I mean, how did you know at 10 years old that there was even such a thing as an architect? I didn't, I mean, you know, again, I was guided to the term and and what it was, but um, no, I don't have a specific person, but I, it's something that I find and uh, I have other scenarios where, you know, I would be walking through London when I was studying abroad and we would, someone would be talking about streetscapes or whatever. And me and my friends, architecture friends would be looking up and saying, wow, don't you like that, you know, that portfolio, the, you know, the skyline or whatever. And my parents who were visiting would be like, what are you guys talking about? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and so I just think it's innate, uh, or at least it yeah. was innate for me. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, 
So, so you go to to um, Syracuse, and you go and you uh, you enrolled at the architecture program, right? Yep. So I, I went through the Syracuse architecture program. Early decision, got in. Was like Syracuse is the place. You know, I went. I looked at a number of other programs, but that was the one that I always felt uh, I wanted to go to. When uh, when did when did the idea of business and technology sort of be be part of the story? Where where did that happen? So two different parts of the linear path business earlier because my dad is an entrepreneur. And so growing up, we would always right. be watching shark tank. He would be building his business. And I always had an interest in just business in general. Uh, and then technology later, when I realized that uh, there was a massive movement in prop technology and all of the money was moving towards automation and, and uh, kind of pushing the antiquated just, process in general into the next wave. And so that would probably be post-college would be technology. Okay. So, so the business was always part of you because, because dad was out there building businesses and, and being an entrepreneur. So you grew up in that world. Always want, yeah. Always grew up in a, in a, um, the business setting, you know, I made my first Wix landing page in, in high school, trying to say like home design or whatever, you know, yeah. designs or something. So always interested in the entrepreneurial uh, venture. And I think that that's also something that's probably innate. You either want to do it or don't, I think. Right. For sure. Do you, did you imagine that when you went to architecture school as, as an architecture student, uh, was your idea having this interest in business was your idea? I always wanted my own architecture firm and just sort of wanted to build a business around <laughs> architecture. Or did you always sort of have that idea that maybe I would try to do something more innovative than just a traditional firm? The original thought was architecture firm, for sure. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, grew up thinking that's what I was going to do. I was going to go to school, get my degree, open an architecture practice, build it, become Bijar Gingles, done. Yeah. That's, sure. Or at least in my mind, I was like, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and then, so it, during your time at Syracuse, um, you got interested in real estate and you got your real estate license and actually sold a house as a sophomore. So, yeah, so that's, that's kind of the spark. Tell yeah. me about that idea. I mean, and where did that come from? What, what was your inspiration to move in that direction? Super interesting. Um, so that was definitely the spark that kind of started to connect them. But uh, while I was at Syracuse studying in the architecture school, I realized that there was a, um, a limitate, not, I don't know if I want to say the word limitation, but like um, a pigeonhole, I guess, like architecture is um, blanketed and taught in one way. Yep. There were other things that I was interested in that I wanted to learn about the sector as a whole. Uh, and so the only place for me to do that was in the Whitman School of Business and their real estate program. Um, and so I just wanted uh, to learn more, basically. And that's how it started. So, so you recognize that traditionally architecture school is taught to go become an architect. And you either go work for somebody or you start your own architecture firm. And the business of architecture is this yeah. single path i started doing a lot of research and, and we and we talked about this as well but like using jonathan seagal as another example right yep. architect as developer i started learning that um the contracts that would be awarded in architecture would come not from architects but from people who were financing the projects or developing the projects and so i said okay i may as well get into that space and be friends with them or understand that right and so i started teaching myself the language of real estate basically, so that I could be in those conversations. And then that morphed into uh, what, what ended up happening. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, so you explored real estate just 
because you wanted to sort of expand your idea of the architectural business. So you wanted to learn beyond the traditional practice and, and understand what else out there is there, right? And 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 how can I build a, a traditional practice that's more than just a traditional practice? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to be able to be in any conversation and be able to speak to it uh, with confidence. And so that just started, you know, um, there's definitely things within the real estate space that I'm not proficient in, you know, uh, other people that specialize in underwriting deals and things like that. That's not my forte, but at least now I can speak to it. Right. Yeah. And so now I can be in those conversations. And that was the whole point. That was the whole reason I did that. Right. And obviously had a passion for it because you, you, you worked through the Whitman school to create this program, uh, to, to integrate the, the Whitman school of business with the school of architecture. So others can also understand this yeah. both sides of the, of the equation. So it's interesting what happened. Um, you know, I went to the Dean, uh, of the Syracuse architecture program at the time. And I said, uh, I want a dual. And he said, that's not possible. Your curriculum is too heavy. I said, <laughs> I said, I said, okay, that's what else can I do? And he said, well, you can minor, but it was very difficult to minor because, the courses that were taught for the architecture school were taught at one time and then the real estate courses were at a different. And so I had to really move my schedule around to make it work. And uh, me and at the time I lived with five other architects uh, at Syracuse and we all went through this program. We all did this, made this program ourselves and wanted to kind of explore both passions. And so after that, they said, maybe there's a way to connect this in a more easy way and then so Whitman students who were in real estate started getting exposure to architecture uh, and then architecture students started getting exposure into the real estate space. And so now they have a joint program that's both run out of New York City and uh, and Syracuse. And so we've just um, participated here and there in that, which is great. Yeah, that's a great, great idea and a great program to expose both sides to each other. Um, especially architects to business. It's so important. It's such a it's such a missing link to our profession. So many architects are struggling with that information. And if they had that as part of their curriculum to understand how businesses work, even at a fundamental le level, the entire profession would be more successful. Yeah, I think it, I honestly think that there should be a deeper hand in hand scenario. There's no there's no class, but there's also no way to learn it without doing it. At least yep. from what I, from what I've found. But yeah, sure. So, so Modwell happens somewhere in here. So what's the, what's the origin story of Modwell? Actually, before we do that, what, what is Modwell? So everybody understands it. And then let's go back to the origin story. Sure. Modwell is a platform and a technology solution that marries real estate data with architectural intelligence. And so we're providing real estate agents with design intelligence to sell outdated properties at the highest level. Yeah. Right. Um, and so uh, the origin story of Modwell is... Uh, a few years out of college, basically, I I graduated and I said, okay, where's where can I go where I can marry my two passions? And so naturally that led me to a real estate development office, which was vertically integrated. It was actually a, uh, a developer uh, in the city called RAL Companies who used to be an architect and then founded a development office and shifted into that. And so inside of this house, there was a design team, an acquisitions team, project management team. All, all of the basic, you know, equations there. And so I was there for uh, a few years and just learned how they do that at the large scale, but personally uh, didn't like how long it took to put up a tower, right? We were doing uh, 40 story buildings in Brooklyn and that was just the time horizon was too many years and I didn't get enough personal satisfaction on a single project. 
And so I started uh, looking around and realizing that the single family space was probably the place for me to be able to turn over projects at a quicker pace. And uh, in doing all that research, I kind of once more found that uh, the real estate sales space and the architectural design and even the construction management pieces of single family residential are all still very outdated and separated. Right. And so I, I kind of uh, saw a potential opportunity to, just in that research. And that's where the origin story started. Let's take a quick break to say thank you to our sponsors for their support of this episode. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. There's a lot to love about being an entrepreneur architect, right? But trying to figure out your financials on your own is not one of those things. Luckily, there's FreshBooks, the all-in-one accounting solution that's built for business owners like us. FreshBooks takes all the not-so-fun parts of running a business from building and tracking invoices to managing online payments to organizing expenses and automates them with features like the new digital bills and receipt scanner saving you up to 11 hours per week in the process. 11 hours. FreshBooks has your back at tax time too. It's almost tax time. With a ton of reports to choose from, you'll know exactly where your business stands and you can easily hand the keys over to your accountant so they can take over when it's time to reconcile everything for the year. Try FreshBooks. Try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. No credit card required. It's free. Go to freshbooks.com slash architect. Freshbooks.com slash architect. Get started today. That's freshbooks.com slash architect. So what will you do with your 11 more hours each week? This episode is brought to you by rcat.com. We all have that one story, that one project that had such a unique situation that it required a solution that you had rarely considered before. We share these stories in private professional circles with our friends and our colleagues, but there has never been a collection of these stories of conflict and triumph all in one place until now. Detailed is a podcast series that features architects, engineers, builders, and manufacturers who share their insights and expertise as they highlight some of the most complex, interesting, and oddball building conditions that they have ever encountered, and the ingenuity it took to solve them. Join host Sharice Lakeside, aka CSI Kraken, a senior specifications writer at RDH Building Science as she uncovers lessons learned to help you navigate similar challenges that may arise in your next project. Detailed, an original podcast by Artcat. Listen and subscribe right now at artcat.com slash podcast. That's artcat.com slash podcast. A-R-C-A-T dot com slash podcast. Detailed, every building has a story. Please visit our sponsors today and thank them. Thank them for supporting you the Entree Architect community. So Modwell basically is taking the, when when you look through the real estate listings, you see tons of ugly homes, right? They're all outdated because, you know, not all of them, but many of them are outdated. Um, and sort of using architects and design, 
architects can show potential buyers what that home could be, right? If design was was leveraged uh, in the real estate world, and that's what Modwell does it takes takes those ugly homes and brings in architecture and makes the them beautiful through graphics and design, and they can show what those those houses could be. And now those houses become much more valuable. They sell much quicker uh, because of the architectural uh, layer uh, in the process of trying to sell that home. So, so just that's a cl- clarification of of what Modwell does from what I've seen it do. Yeah. Um, and and so when you had that idea, was it fully formed? You said, okay, this is what it's going to be, or did it start as something else? Was not formed. Um, I had an idea, and I started piecing it together a little bit at a time of how to start vertically integrating the professions. And so um, I kind of just went out and said, how am I going to start piecing this together? And it took about 18 months to form the concept. And so I was working in real estate at the time and in architecture doing one-off projects and one-off transactions, just trying to get my foot in the door while building it. Um, and then I, I launched a uh, it was called at the time the Alliance Group, and I was like, "Oh, I'm going to align all of these things, and it's going to be called the Alliance Group." And that was the first like prototype that I launched, and I built it. However, I knew how on Wix, and I said, "You're going to be able to enter in the real estate section and enter in the architecture section, and kind of at least just show what it could look like to bring everything together." And that was nice, but it was it morphed into what it is today. So it started uh, as a network. Basically just creating a way for real estate and architects to come together. Yeah. started as like a network. I just started talking to as many people as I could. I started building relationships with contractors and in Long Island and meeting interior designers and saying, do you want to sign collaboration agreements? I think, I think I could bring the space together and kind of just like, that's how that started. And then, um, then I reached out to my Whitman professor, uh, Steve Case, who, uh, ran a 75 person real estate brokerage in Syracuse. And I said, I have this idea and I think it would be wise for us to, um, to open a brokerage because then we can not only design the houses, but sell them. And so we went down that path. I brought him in. Uh, and then, so Modwell started as a real estate brokerage. Our goal was we're going to be differentiator. We're going to not only have the real estate listings, but we're going to design them and we're going to stand out. And that's going to be how we're going to build this all-inclusive, all-in-one thing, right? Yeah. And so we ran that for, we ran that idea at least for about uh, I don't know, a year until we realized that um, there's a huge need in the market. Everybody is very excited, but why climb this uphill battle? You don't need to do that, right? And so that's when we shifted more so to uh, helping and assisting real estate agents as opposed to trying to be the actual brokerage itself. Right. So, so the original idea was basically to disrupt the existing system by creating this new way of integrating architecture and real estate, uh, and just be that single point of sale. Right. So you come in, that was the thought. Yeah. The thought was we have a skill set. We're going to be able to reposition houses in a way that nobody else will. And that'll allow us to not only have real estate agents, but get exclusives, and then when we sell those exclusives, we'll be able to bundle our services and upsell them into architecture and it would be a package deal and everybody would love it. Right. And uh, it sounds great, but it's uh, there's so many things that happen in each piece of the equation that it was very hard to maintain um, consistency and uh, across the board. And so we kind of narrowed in our focus after after going through that pain point. Well, that learning lesson, at least. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I mean, anytime you try to disrupt an industry or multiple industries in this case, you need to re-educate on everybody on, first of all, how this existing system works and then how your system's better than it, that existing system. And you're just constantly trying to, you know, push your, push this boulder uphill. Yeah. Um, and then you recognize that there's this other opportunity of, of the existing system is there. And if we add this layer on top of that existing system, the system flows better, right? Is that sort of the idea? Yeah, basically, we we uh, we saw that there was a huge opportunity in the market, and that what we built was being valued, but in a way that we didn't anticipate. And so we just made a, a quick pivot and said, "Okay, great, we're going to deliver this back to the actual market, as opposed to trying to be the market, right?" And so, um, and so that's kind of a shift that happened with, you know, insight from our advisors, which we've onboarded, which are great, and and just other market feedback. So. So what's the business model for Modwell now? How does it work? Yeah, so now we have a subscription basis, a, a subscription business. Real estate agents that are top producers in their market can sign up to a subscription. It's uh, limited in, in market so that uh, there's differentiation between real estate agents. And if you're a Modwell member, you get access to our architectural uh, design intelligent platform, our uh, services to deliver you collateral, and then also some of our other design benefits that go along with our membership. So restoration hardware discounts, other type of design furniture discounts, you become a creative agent as a member with us. Right. And you're focused on the luxury market? Yeah. For now, we're focused on the 1 million plus asset. And we did that because we found our pricing model to deliver high quality architectural designs and all of that. It's, uh, it's expensive. And so the cost doesn't support a certain priced house, just the actual return on the commission doesn't make any sense. So yeah, yeah. So you're focused on on that that higher end property, and and typically you said the the higher you know high producing um, brokers, and so you're talking about the bigger brokers that are more successful. You're not talking at this point, not talking about single real estate agents. Well, we worked with single real estate agents, uh, and we certainly love to work with single real estate agents. Uh, they just need. To be able to work with us, um, you need to have consistency, right, in your deal flow as a real estate agent, and then you also need to have just enough cash flow within your business to support that expense. And so we have found that somebody who sells one million plus assets uh, at a relatively consistent pace finds it to be extremely valuable and differentiated, and they love it. Um, but a new agent who's entering the market uh, might not. Uh, pay for it basically. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just financially doesn't, doesn't work. Yeah. Um, so how does the design side work now? So it's an interesting question. So basically if you think about it, every project is a schematic and a charrette. So when we get a uh, request from a real estate agent and they say, Hey, I either, you know, we have four use cases. I have an outdated property and I could use an architectural design. I have a piece of land and I could use a design suggestion. Um, I have a new development coming to market and I wanna convert my uh, AutoCAD drawings into live 3D interactions. Uh, and then the last one is I'm going out for a pitch. I'm trying to win a piece of new business and I need something to stand out, right? Uh, and so the design process works just like any other traditional architecture firm would. We get in a request and the request could say, you know, we have a new listing at Six Pheasant Woods Lane in East Hampton, New York. It's a little bit outdated and we'd like an enhanced listing. We then as the design, uh, as Modwell, the, the design team will 
look at the site, we'll do our due diligence, we'll make sure that what we create is actually feasible because that's a key part of it. And then we'll uh, talk to the agents and say, what do you think would sell best in this market given what you know about the comps? Is it a modern, traditional, contemporary, um, how far do you want me to push it type of a conversation? And then we create a design up to the, the level of schematic. We don't really go into the DD documentation uh, to put it onto the platform, upload the schematic and, and then let them sell it. And then after it sells, we allow the buyer the opportunity to uh, engage us at a deeper level, right? And so if they wanna take our designs further, they can, we can help them uh, run it through DD to another layer. And then we ultimately do a handoff in the market to a partner, to architect of record who can take it all the way. And then, you know, we're on the front end of the process where a lot of, you know, uh, some people could think of it as advertising for architecture, stuff like that, right? Yeah. And so we're on, we're on the front end and then we ultimately push the ball to, to architects at the end. I love it. I, I love that it is uh, introducing design to the real estate world. So they so I mean, obviously the real estate world understands the value of design, but really at a at a sales level, right? That this house is worth X, this house plus a potential design is worth ten X or whatever, you know, five X or two X. Um, there's yeah. a there's an increase in value on that property simply by an architect doing a creative solution to to an old outdated property or or a proposed proposed new house on a, an existing unbuilt property. Um, and so I, lo I love that it that it identifies the value of architecture. Um, and I also love that it is a that it's a lead generator for architects, right? Specifically yeah. that that once it's built, then the buyer has a direct connection to the person or the or the company Modwell uh, yeah. who created that that potential design and, and architects uh, then also have that opportunity beyond that to do the handoff, right? To be the was, architect of record. That was the original thought, you know, my, my building this uh, or thinking about it from the start, I, the first thing was, okay, how do you get consumers as an architect, right? How do you do that? And you say, okay, well, it's the people who bought, who are living in the houses and you say, okay, well, how do I get in front of them? And naturally my thought was, well, you get them before they even buy the house, right? And then once they buy the house, you're in, you're basically their audience. They don't know any architect. They haven't moved into the neighborhood. So you are generating a network of leads and opportunities. And so that's where kind of I saw the real estate playing a role. And it is, it's it's basically capturing a potential client for life before they even meet your your competition. Right. If you do it the, if you do it the right way. Right. Um, right. And so that was the thought process there. For yeah. Sure. I love it. Fantastic. I, I, I love innovative ideas. First of all, I, you know, I really in, in love the idea behind Modwell and how it create, you know, the origin story, but also, you know, how it's leveraged to look at the, the, um, the practice, practice of architecture and how we can, uh, use our skills as architects in new ways, right. In, in many new ways. And there's, with Modwell's one opportunity, there's hundreds of software platforms that are being designed and built today that are going to need the services of architects, right? That that maybe as a platform they work without the services of architects, but then input, you know, plug in the the, the services of architects, and now that platform is so much more valuable, right? Because you now have this 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 design layer of whatever needs to be done, um, and so it's exciting for me to look at Modwell and and other software. That's that's being developed that can take our profession from that traditional practice, 
that you were talking about earlier to these new ways of practicing. And it all goes back to designing great architecture, right, for the world. Um, but there's new ways of getting to the client and helping the client. Um, and yeah. Modwell is a perfect example of that. Yeah, it's super exciting to watch what's happening just like with software and the progression of uh, just like architecture in general with uh, the 3D layer of uh, interactions in society. I think it's all very interesting. And uh, and yeah, basically the platform that we've built is a vehicle to the consumer, right? And ultimately all we have, all architects ever wanted to do was design beautiful homes. That's the entire reason that I wanted to get into it. But right. in, order, in order to design a beautiful home, you need to have somebody to design it for Right. And so that became the the uh, the underlying problem that I was trying to trying to solve. And so and so, yeah, super exciting. And um, and there's a need. You know, we we just recently went around talking, doing some market research in multiple different markets and every market one way or another was like, oh, yeah, we have, you know, in Arizona, they said every house was built on these golf courses in 1970s and they're a nightmare, you know, and then in Miami, it's a different conversation every house that was built on the water was built in the 1960s and they're a nightmare, right? And so there's a different problem, but each market has has the need, yeah. which is great. And I, and, uh, I, I 100% see architects uh, pushing into the real estate space more so moving forward. Yeah, and Modwell will be a, a great conduit for that. I mean, it really, awesome. it, it really will be an opportunity. Um, and so right now you're focused on New York generally, the New York metropolitan area with Hamptons uh, expanding Currently, right? And so yeah, the idea so, is to continue this to scale. So what's the future for Modwell? So we launched in New York just because naturally I'm from New York. And so that made sense. Yeah. And so in order to launch it over the course of the last two years, we had to become a real estate brokerage, which would give us access to the MLS, which then allowed us to create our platform and overlay the architectural intelligence. And so uh, our goal is to expand. We're talking to you know, uh, presidents at Coldwell Banker in New Jersey and owners of brokerages in Arizona and your brother in North Carolina yeah, and, and, exactly. and other people, right? And so as those opportunities become increasingly more apparent, we will open in those markets. And so there's uh, a little layer of difficulty to do it. We basically have to become an approved broker in that market to be able to access the real estate data and then stand up our platform. But we have the plans to open up uh, at least three to four new markets this year, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Exciting. So you can, uh, check out what Modwell is doing at modwellco.com. You can watch them grow. And, and if you're interested, you can, you know, reach out to Jonathan and, and see, uh, see, you know, how you might be able to, uh, connect with them at modwellco.com. Before we wrap things up here, Jonathan, I want to ask you the one question that I ask everybody. Uh, what is one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? I love that question. Uh, my answer is start, just do it. Um, there is, I have at least found over the course of the last few years, there is no right path. And if you just do it, you'll find, oh, that was right. That was wrong. And so I say, start, do it, whatever you're thinking about doing it, do it. Yeah. hundred percent agree. It, everything that I've ever done it, it and everything that you who are listening have ever done it, you needed to start right? That's the only way it ever happens is that you start. So if you have an idea, the the next step is how you start. What's the next step? Do Agreed. that. Yeah, do it. Jonathan Reisman is his name. Modwell is the company. Modwellco.com is the website. Go check that out. Jonathan, thank you very much for what you're doing here uh, on, for the profession. I, I, oh, I, I love you for having me. 
I love the idea that there are architects out there who are innovative and thinking beyond traditional practice, which there's nothing wrong with traditional practice. There is a place for traditional practice. There will always be a traditional practice place, but, but there is, there are, are, you know, technologies out there and there, there are new ways of doing things and new ways of looking at things. And, uh, and I love that there are architects out there being uh, innovative and doing new new things and, and taking the existing traditional ways of doing things and doing them better. So I appreciate you for, for doing that and for sharing your knowledge here today at Entree Architect Podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This was fun. If you liked this episode of Entree Architect Podcast, please share a rating, write a review. Yep. If you liked this episode, go write about it. Wherever you're listening to this episode, they all have access to a, a rating or a review. I ask you to do that because that's how other architects will find it and share this link. The link to this episode, if you liked it, share it with a friend who maybe not may not know what we're doing here at Entree Architect. That's how we've grown over the last 10 years. Yes, 2022 is our 10th year here at Entree Architect Podcast. And that is how we've grown because you share this link with a friend. That's how we've grown to serve thousands more architects just like you. And thank you to our sponsors because we could not do it without them. To sponsors for this episode, FreshBooks and ArtCat, thank you for their support. Links to our sponsors and all the resources we discussed today on this episode are available at the show notes for this episode found at entrearchitect.com slash podcast. Entree Architect is a member of Gable Media Podcast Network. Gable Media is curated thought leadership for an audience dedicated to building a better world. Listen and subscribe to all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. Go check out gablemedia.com. Right now we have 10 podcasts on gablemedia.com, all architecture, engineering, construction. You will love it. It's built for you, for you. Go check it out at gablemedia.com. And coming to Austin this fall, Austin, Texas, this fall of 2022, the Entree Architect Community Annual Meeting. Yes, the first ever live and in-person conference for you, small firm architects. Come hang out with us in Austin this autumn. Visit entrearchitect.com slash annual meeting right now to learn more and subscribe for updates. That's entrearchitect.com slash annual meeting our conference for small firms. I hope to see you in Austin. Thank you for listening today. Love, learn, and share what you know. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris. Owners of Level Studio Architecture are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. 
Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> I did it, guys. Oh the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There's a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. And so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.